0: Hi, I'm Jeff Joyner. Uh, I came to the Dream Center about a year ago. Uh, To tell you a little bit about myself, uh, I grew up in a good family. I have a twin brother. Got off on the wrong track at an early age. Um, I pretty much, if there was a law against it, I I broke it. If uh, there was some kind of drug to do, I did it. And uh, I guess just something was uh, missing in my life. So... uh, after coming to the Dream Center, uh, I, I found out what was missing in my life. It was a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. All right. Since I've been at the Dream Center, I've mended things with my family. I've got the, get, I've gotten my kids back. I've uh, I've had to, been through surgery, and I've just, I feel 10 years younger. And just everything just seems to be going on the up and up. I would like to thank uh, Mitch and Sonia Hallmark for starting the program and just having faith in us and just keeping us going. I also would like to thank all all the teachers that taught out at the Dream Center Um, and just everybody at Calvary and all the people for making me feel welcome. And mostly I would like to thank Jesus Christ for just loving me just the way, way I am. Hey,
1: my name's Trey Lee. I came into the Lawrence County Dream Center a year ago. And in that year, God has worked wonders in my life. God has saved me. God has released me. It's brought me and my whole family closer to each other. Um, From my dad and I getting baptized together, to doing Adopt-A-Block, to helping people and, and serving people and serving the Lord. I would like to thank Pastor Mitch and Miss Sonia for all their hard work and everything they've done in my life. They are amazing people. They are wonderful people. They have the, the kindest hearts. And I, I just can't thank y'all enough. I want to thank the teachers that taught me here. Mr. Bill, Mr. Jim, Mr. Brent, Mr. Derek, and every one of y'all. Y'all do an amazing thing in, everybody, in each, one, each one of our lives. And I know we can't thank you enough, and I know I can't thank you enough. I want to thank Pastor Sawyer and Miss Phyllis and all the Calvary family for all the support they've gave us. God has blessed me so much. God has called me into ministry, and God has blessed me with a a great job. Once again, I just want to thank every one of y'all for all you all support and all y'all have done for me.
2: Hi, everybody. My name is Mike McKelvey. And before I came to the Lawrence County Dream Center... My life was out of control. I drank constantly. I didn't like myself very much. I've been mad at God for a long time because of the tragedies of my life. And after meeting Mitch Hallmark, Pastor Mitch, my life changed. And the Dream Center has just just changed my life. I want to thank Pastor Sawyer, Brent, Dwayne and Jamie for taking time out of their lives away from their family to come and share God's Word with us and just to make us feel better about ourselves and just showing us our way back to God.
3: My addiction started with an extremely abusive relationship. I was pregnant with twins at the time we didn't know it was twins and he beat me so bad. Um, He ended up killing one of the twins, and I lost it when I was six months. And they told me that I would never be able to carry another child after that. And I focused on the child that I lost instead of the children that I had. And I couldn't deal with my emotional pain. And so I took Xanaxes and pain pills to kill the emotional pain I was feeling.
4: My addiction actually started when I was real young, but my addiction took the worst turn after I lost custody of my first three children, and they had took all rights from me, and they was being processed to be adopted out. My addiction started when
5: I lost a child. She died at seven and a half months old, and I wanted to just escape my world because it was too hard to, to deal with. And I got mad at God because I just didn't see how God could do that, you know, take my child. I feel
6: like what led to my addiction was just that drive to be better, to be perfect, to be everything that the people in my life had been. And in doing that, I set unattainable goals.
3: So, I kept failing. My rock bottom was ODN and going in ICU from ODN, um, and I continually had seizures for the past 12 years due to ODN.
4: I got into relationships with guys that wasn't the greatest at all, and even when I started doing better, the relationships would take a toll on me. And it it always had drugs involved, so it would just bring me back down. For 20 years, I was I stayed
5: mad. I wasn't just mad at God; I was mad at the whole world. And the only way to escape that was just staying numbed up, staying like a recluse to myself. Because if I didn't, if I wasn't around people, I didn't have to deal with people. I thought I had every all the tools to stay clean, but I didn't. My, I lost connection. I lost accountability. I started staying at home instead of coming to church. And that's when I fell back. My addiction has cost
6: me my marriage. It cost me five kids. It cost me getting to see them play sports it cost me everything that i worked so hard to be perfect
3: to achieve i was empty i felt no love i felt no compassion for anybody or myself i was lost
6: you know they had me on three different types of antidepressants they had me on something to stabilize the bipolar They had me on something to calm me down, something to make me sleep, and something to make me wake up. And these were legit prescribed meds that I was taking. And it's just like my whole day existed because they were scheduled every two hours. That's all my day consisted of was taking these meds. And I just, I got to a point where when I got to the Dream Center... All I was doing was breathing. There was no brain function. There was no, there was nothing. All
7: that was happening was a heartbeat and a breath.
5: I was happy to be back at the Dream Center, but I was also scared and I felt ashamed. Because I was coming back again, but Pastor Sawyer opened—he welcomed me with open arms. I mean, he opened his arms up and he gave me the biggest hug, and he told me, "Don't, don't keep your head down and keep it up, because you're back here for a reason. Because God's brought you back. Because I'm special enough to be back."
6: I guess the program actually started for me around month two. Because, at that point, I had finally been weaned off of all the sock mats, off of everything. And I was starting to thaw out. You know, I was starting to cry. I was starting to feel things. I was, you know, almost overwhelmed with how much love I felt from the girls, from the Calvary family, from,
3: you know, everyone. That moment would be Pastor Josh's class. It has stuck with me. Um, he came in and did a class on foundation, about having a strong foundation, not letting anything get in it, not shake it, not rock it, or you're going to fall. And so that's where every time I start doing anything in life, I go back to the foundation of it and making sure it's strong so
4: that me and my kids will always be strong and have that solid foundation. My kids prayed me in this program. They prayed for Brooklyn and their answers, I mean, their prayers have been answered. And I thank God for that because my kids prayed me in this. And it should have been the other way around, but God didn't see it like that. He pulled me out of it. When I made the revelation that
5: I didn't need a man in my life to succeed at life, um, that was the hardest thing I ever had to come to realize. But it was like, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I was like, you know, I've been with this guy for so long. How am I going to do it without him? But... I'm doing better without him. I mean things are going good. God's got me and that's all I need is God. I feel so strong having reinstilled to me
3: through the teachers that you know that come to the classes with us with Meredith. There's so much love and everything that they pour into us and they instill into us everything that I knew before the addiction that I let somebody else take away from me and it's been reinstilled to me and I have such a strongness now that I don't feel like anybody can break it.
4: I started going by the name of Cha Cha and um my name is Charlotte and my aunt right before she passed away she told me she's like I don't I don't like Cha Cha, she's mean, she's aggressive, she's not the person we know and we just want Charlotte back. About two weeks ago I was riding in the car with some friends and I had realized that what my aunt said about cha-cha and it hit me and I started crying because I knew it was her telling me you did it like you have Charlotte back and that's exactly what happened. I am Charlotte again.
6: Um, I am currently on zero medications. I have been medication free for over eight months. Um, There is nothing that I take. Um, There is an overwhelming joy from waking up on my own every day and being able to find my own motivation to look forward to see okay he's going to have something for me today and just knowing that even if it's an ordinary day I get to be normal in that day and through all of this that was my quest was I want to be normal and I have found out that I'm not just normal. And, and I'm good with that. I am more okay with that than, than I was striving to be normal. I love the feeling of grace. I just, I do. You
8: a great what a great victory amen what a great celebration what a great picture of the grace of God church family and I can't tell you how thankful I am that God allowed us at Calvary to be a part of something like this God's a great God you know maybe seated I want you just we're going to give these certificates and Pastor Mitch I'll call their name and and I don't know we got them exactly in order Mike's first Mike McKelvey congratulations Mike then Jeff Joyner, Congratulations, Jeff. Then Trey Lee. You know, I I know you realize what a special day this is. This is the first graduating class of men's recovery from the Lawrence County Dream Center. Amen. This is no small accomplishment. These gentlemen and the ladies have completed a full year, 12 months. They've given to God to change their lives and turn them around. You've seen the testimonies. You see what God is doing. And I just want to say to these gentlemen, guys, we love you. We're proud of you. Pastor Mitch and Sonia, thank you. What a great job. Great leaders. Aren't we thankful? Pastor Mitch and Sonia leading the Dream Center in Lawrence County. Not only has the recovery ministry now graduating their first class and other guys are going to follow them. The, the church, our Lawrence County campus church that, that, that also has the Dream Center, is doing so well. Beginning in the next few months, they're going to start a Sunday morning service. They've, they've gone from zero up over 80 people attending. And it's wonderful to see what God's doing. And Guys, you've set the pace now. You know, it's like nobody could ever run the four-minute mile. And then Roger Bannister did it. And the next year, uh, it was like 30 more guys did it. You broke the tape. And uh, you set the bar. And now they're going to be, from now on, a group of men coming in your footsteps. So you guys are, you know, you're the first ones. And they're going to look to you and believe in you. And, And I know God's going to do great things in your life. So we're proud of these guys. Thank you, guys. Meredith, you want to come help me? I don't know if I got these in order or not, but Summer, you're right here. Our first one, a graduation, is Summer Hill. Our next is Charlotte Payne. Then Jenna Smith. Gina. 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 I've called Gina Jenna for 12 months, but she knows who I mean. <laughs> yeah, Miss Phyllis says she doesn't care. Just call her name. <laughs> and Lois Brown. Lois, congratulations. I want you guys, church family, this is what happens when when a church family says, we're going to open our arms. We're going to love, we're going to believe God. This was a dream of Calvary Assembly, to have a Dream Center. Now not only has God given us one Dream Center, He's given us two Dream Centers, and we have lives being changed. Pastor Emilio is our director of our Decatur Dream Center, and we just thank Pastor Emilio for his leadership there. Amen. And it's a, it's a day of first. Not only our first graduating class and our men's recovery out of the Lawrence County Dream Center. For Meredith Fairbanks, this is her first graduating class as our director for the women's recovery. So what a day of celebration. God is more than good. He is awesome. Amen? Amen. God bless you ladies. You can be seated gentlemen. Thank you guys. God bless you. All right. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Just probably the same page as we were there a moment earlier in our uh, giving. And I'm sharing the last messages of this series I Love Sundays. How many would say, Pastor, I'm with you. I love Sundays. Uh, isn't Sunday a great day? Let's thank God for the opportunity to worship together. You know, the more I learn about what God does on Sunday, I kind of think this I love Sunday shirt. I kind of feel like Superman on this thing. Like, boom, there he is. I love Sundays. How many feel like that when you get in the presence of God? He's so good. And God is awesome to us. Well, what have we been learning? We've been learning the value of corporate. Worship. What an important concept. What an important ingredient in our walk with the Lord. Let me say this while you're finding Hebrews 11 and verse uh, 24. Tuesday night is our next quarterly leadership training, Anointed Excellence. Those words are very intentional. Here at Calvary, we believe the anointing of the Holy Spirit enables every valid ministry that happens. Can somebody say amen to that? The anointing is first. Then what does excellence mean? Excellence means that I do everything as unto the Lord. I give Him my best. Not half hearted, not in, not cold hearted, not, not indifferent, not apathetic. God, if I'm doing this for you, I'm giving you my very best. Excellence. Doing everything is unto God. That's the DNA of our culture here at Calvary. That's how we lead and how we serve. Anointed, excellent. So once a quarter, all of our ministry teams meet together. All of our ministry teams. No matter which one you're on, how you serve. We we start in a parking lot. Then our greeters and workers and hosts and coffee and serving in, in our commons area. Children's ministry, students ministry, tech ministries, worship ministry, men's ministry, Valley Girls Ministry, five-star man, Spanish-speaking ministry, elders, trustees, section leaders. Am I leaving anybody out? Life groups. Come on, help me. Every single ministry in the church. If you're on a ministry team, then it's a mandatory meeting to be here Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. We're going to have an amazing time. I cannot wait to share with you first about our summer outreach called Servolution. We are going to have, I believe, one of the greatest weeks that we've had in recent years. It's going to give everyone in this church family an opportunity to serve. Maybe you've not yet been able to go on a foreign mission trip where we're going to create something right here. Uh, that will enable you to be a part of that. We've been planning this in staff meeting. We're excited. We're going to have shifts. You can. Uh, it's going to be so good you may want to take time off work and be involved or you may need to come after work. We're going to have day and night shift. We're going to do uh, one of the greatest weeks of outreach we've ever done here at Calvary and I'll be sharing it first Tuesday night with our uh, ministry teams at six o'clock. It is going to be an awesome time and I can't wait to see you there. Can't wait to share Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. We're in a series again, I Love Sundays. Let's look at verses 24 and 25. And watch this. What did we learn the very first week? And let whom? Let me? Let I? What do we read here? Let who? And let us. So we see this as a we thing, not a me thing. It's critical to our spiritual growth. And let us consider. Let us think about. Let us give thought to. Let us be proactive. Let us be intentional. Let us consider what? What are we reading here? How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And look at verse 25. Let us. There's that we thing again. Let us not give up meeting together. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more... As you see the day approaching. They were wanting to be faithful to church. In light of the return of Christ. And we're 2,000 years closer to his return than they were. And it motivated them. But I want you to see this. Look at verse 25. Let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. There's something I want to say to you today. About meeting together corporately. That releases supernatural encouragement. Supernatural encouragement is a byproduct of meeting together in corporate worship. You'll remember that I told you the setting of this book was written to the Hebrew Christians in Rome. They were experiencing some of the most severe persecution the church had ever encountered. And isn't it interesting that the clearest, most uh, deliberate statement about corporate worship in the entire New Testament was spoken to a group of believers facing the greatest opposition. You know, we're not facing the same kind of persecution today, but you have to be honest and to say, for a man or a woman, a young person of real faith, there's some opposition to real faith in Christ today. And, and, and the writer said to them, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, whatever you do when times get tough, whatever you do when things press in on you, you need to know, don't stop meeting together. Don't get in the habit of staying by yourself. The value of meeting together it, it cannot be overestimated. It's part of, it's not the only thing, but it's part of your spiritual journey. Now let me say this. We clearly understand here at Calvary that, that the Lord is with us every day and everywhere we go. That, that we can pray. How many are thankful you can pray at home? Aren't, aren't you thankful? This is not the only place I pray. This isn't the only place I read my Bible. This isn't the only place I encounter God. It's not designed to be that way. If the only time you pray is when you come to a church service, you're missing something in your walk with God. I can tell you this that I do more praying at home than I do here in this building. And it's supposed to be that way. How many understand that? See, what if we physically ate the way we try to spiritually feed ourselves? What if the only time you had any meals were on Sunday? Can you imagine? Can you imagine eating everything you could eat, gorging yourself on Sunday? Because, you know, I won't get to eat again until next Sunday. But that's the way a lot of people spiritually try to live their life. They try to come in on Sunday and grab everything they can get on Sunday because they're not going to pray again, think again, read the Bible again, worship again until next Sunday. And what happens is that we try to live off that one encounter through the rest of the week. But you know what? Listen to me. If you worship on Sunday and are encouraged by the gathering of the believers, and then you're praying on Monday, praying on Tuesday, praying on Wednesday, praying on Thursday, praying on Friday, are you listening to me? Then your strength is staying up. But those folks that come to church on Sunday and never speak to God for the rest of the week, no wonder you do bad things on Saturday night. You run out of gas. You're weak on Saturday because you got nothing left. But if you're filling the tank on Monday and filling the tank on Tuesday and filling the tank on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, by the time you get to Saturday, you're not worried about, you know, Saturday stuff. You can't wait for Sunday stuff to come around. How many with me? Okay. So we, we see the value of that. Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, look, I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church... I'd rather speak something you understand to edify you. So Paul says, I pray all the time. I speak in tongues all the time. The Holy Spirit's operating in my life every day. But there's something important about gathering together and being the family of God. What is it? Encouragement was the word. Supernatural encouragement. Let me show you something you may have failed to mention or or to see. We're great at picking verses, one or two verses out of a passage And missing the big picture. I want you to turn to Psalm 22 with me. Psalm 22. Psalm 22 and verse 3 is probably one of the most familiar verses, most often quoted verses about corporate worship. But we miss the the verses leading up to it. It's an incredible concept that we often miss. Now let's look at Psalm 22.3. The New International Version says... Yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. That's one translation. Others would translate it like this. For you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. The King James translation says, You inhabit the praises of your people. What an incredible word. The Bible literally promises us and informs us. Church family, I want you to get this. What happens when we... Corporately begin to worship God. The Bible says we're not only there with the Holy Spirit living in us, but as we begin to worship God corporately together, God's manifested presence comes. God is not only in us, God is among us. How many can say amen to that? He, he steps into the room. He inhabits. He dwells. He comes to those who Who begin to worship Him as we corporately praise God. One translation says, He's enthroned upon the praises of His people. Do you know that if people gather together and do not really worship God in spirit and in truth, we do not give Him a throne or His place of authority. But when we gather together and worship God in spirit and in truth, the Bible says we literally say to Him, Father God, here's Your throne. Come sit down in the midst of your people. Bring your authority. Bring your presence. Bring your healing and power. Isn't that an amazing promise about corporate worship? It's awesome. But I want you to back up and look at verse number 1. Because we may have never connected these together. But here's the setting of the promise of God's presence when we get together. Look at verse 1. Is this familiar to anyone? My God. My God. Why have you... Forsaken me. you ever hear that before? Where? Who said that? Jesus. Where did he say that? On the cross. What in the world? What's going on here? What, what's happening? Well, Christ on the cross in the most challenging moment of his earthly existence. Remember Psalm 22. And he cries out. My God. My God, have you forsaken me? Look at the rest of this. Why are you so far from saving me? Now let's get real honest. Are you ready to get honest on Sunday morning? Pass the lie detector test. Are you ready? Okay. Here's Jesus saying, God, I feel alone. I feel by myself. I feel like you forgot me and you've forsaken me. Come on. Have you ever done that? Huh? Huh? Let's get honest. Have you ever, like your pastor, ever said, God, I I know you're answering that guy's prayer. And and, and I know you're hearing this guy's prayer. And God, I just went to church and heard those testimonies, but God is, hey, George, God, let let, let me, hey, Lord, do you you need some help finding me? I'm over here. God, whoo, it's a hard day. God, help me. Come, please. Find me. That's what David was doing. Maybe you felt that way before. And look what he says. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. Come on, you know you. Let's be honest. Anybody ever had one of those moments in their life? Where you kind of had the pity party? There's some really spiritual people in this place today. I'm going to give you one more chance to feel better about yourself. Anybody ever had a moment where you said, I don't think God's listening to me. We even made all these spiritual sounding things. I've heard people say in the church, I feel like my ceiling's made of brass. I'm praying and it hits and comes back. All that stuff. Man, I'm, David says, I am I feel alone. I feel like I'm by myself and God, I feel like you're far away from me. Verse 2, Oh my God, I cry out by day and you do not answer by night and I am not silent. God, what's going on? God, I feel forsaken. I'm by myself. I can't get to you. I, I think you forgot who I am. God, this is not going well. And then we get to verse 3. And look what, how he begins it. Yet, despite, in the midst of me feeling like God doesn't know me anymore, that God forgot me, that God doesn't remember me, that God's not hearing me. Yet in the midst of this, this is what I know, that when I get in the corporate gathering of the people of God and we begin to praise him, God comes and inhabits the praise of his people. So he said, when I'm by myself and it's not working for me and I'm lonely and I feel forsaken and estranged, this is what I know. If I get up out of my lonely cave of despair and get in the midst of the people of God, I'm going to encounter the presence of all Almighty God, because when His people get together, God shows up every single time. How powerful is that? That's the context of corporate worship. You know, it's sort of like this. Now, please do not raise your hand on this question. You'll make me feel bad. But have you ever had that Sunday when you didn't want to go to church? Don't raise your hand. I ask you, don't raise your hand. Just you and the Lord talk about it on the inside right now. You ever had that Sunday you woke up and you said, I'm tired and I'm mad and I'm lonely and I'm ticked off and I'm back. My back hurts and my head hurts and I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to go to church today. Why should I go to church today? I've had a bad week. Why should I go? But you get up and go anyway. And without fail and without fail on your way out. You say, I'm glad I went to church today. Uh, is it not the truth? How many times? How many times? When are we going to learn that? There's something about corporate worship that supernaturally encourages us. We are in the presence of God and we're in the presence of God's people. You know, we, we get this thing backwards. The devil lies and deceives and pushes and manipulates us. And, and someone says, I've had a bad week. I blew it. Maybe you blew it. Maybe you feel guilty and ashamed. And, 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 and you say, did you hear Lois' testimony? I just should have sat down. In, in, in fact, you ever heard the term drop the mic? I nearly dropped the mic right there. sermon done. Lois said, I went into Dream Center. And I graduated. And I thought I had it all together. And I thought I could make this work. And I had it all good. And she said, but what I did is I disconnected. And I tried to do it. And did you hear her say, and I stopped going to church and I started doing the other things in my life. See, what happens is the time you least feel like going to church is when you should be waiting for the door to open up on Sunday morning because you're encouraged. It's amazing. I mean, if you've had a really bad week, you ought to be here at 730 waiting. Just to make sure you get a seat at 8. You understand? And then when the 8 o'clock service is over, you go, you know what? I believe I'm going to go through that again right now. I'm going to stay and get a 9.30. And you go through the 9.30 you say, I'm feeling really good now. Give me one of those I Love Sunday t-shirts, Pastor. And you do a triple dip. And you go home. Life's better. Why? There's a supernatural sense of encouragement. Look, while we're in the Psalms, look at Psalm 95. Psalm 95. Turn there with me. Watch this thing. We, 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 we begin to get this concept. Is it, Sunday morning, all we do in, as a Christian. Of course not. Of course not. As I said, I do more praying and Bible reading and worship out of this building than in it. I only have a couple of days, Sundays and Wednesdays. I'm regularly here. I have five days that I'm worshiping and praying. And praising and reading and studying and walking after God. See, Sunday's like the, you know, Sunday is, is the encouragement. It's the blessing. It's, it's the time we come. It's not all we are. It's just where we get together and honor and worship God and, and, and make a statement for the kingdom. And then we go be the church wherever we go. But Psalm 95, look at verse one. Come, here it is again. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us. Shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Verse 2, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Look at verse 6. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are his people uh, of his pasture, the flock under his care. It's a let us, let us let us endeavor. We are supernaturally encouraged. The word "encourage," we learned a few weeks ago, there in Hebrews 10:25, is the same root Greek word "parakleto" that Jesus used when he told the disciples in the upper room in John 14. He's trying to tell them, "I'm going to go." I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And I'm going back to heaven. And they're trying to figure out how are we going to make it without you. They were frightened. He used this terminology. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. You're not going to be abandoned. I'm going to send the paracletos. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the encourager to you. The Bible says when we meet together, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, The encourager, the one who comes and walks beside me every step of the way is released in my life. And the interesting thing about this, when we come together, I want to use this phrase again. Not only do we encounter the presence of God, we encounter the presence of God's people. And do you know how God does His work on this earth today? Through His church, His body. And so when I want to be reminded and encouraged that God is near... It's good to have some of God's people near me. If, if I want to be encouraged by something God says, then it's good to hear one of his people saying it. If I want to know that God is close to me, it's nice to be close enough for someone to say, Pastor, I'm praying for you right now. I got you, Pastor. Pastor. I'm praying for you, Pastor. I hear your words and they encourage me. I see your face and it encourages me. See, the Holy Spirit walks along beside us and supernatural encouragement begins to happen in your life. The Bible says that Satan, in 1 Peter, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, always on the prowl, always looking for someone Whose life and faith he can ravish and destroy. He is on guard, on go. And what he's primarily looking for is someone by theirself. Cut you out of the herd. Separate you from the flock. Find you straggling over in a place where you shouldn't be. Dragging yourself because life got heavy. I, I, I saw a video recently that's been one of the most watched videos in the history of YouTube. It's almost nine or ten minutes long, and you may want to see the whole version, but our guys edited it down, and and, and just a little picture of a roaring lion and encouragement. Now, here we are in Africa, and some people on safari had their cameras out, and they caught something that defied nature. Here's a herd of water buffalo going to drink, and that's not uncommon, but they walked right up on a pride of lions. Now, watch the lions. They're in crouch mode. They're like, hey, look at this. Dinner is being delivered right now. And, and and here they go. They're on the attack and the herd of buffalo begin to run. But watch what the lions do. They pass the big one, pass the big one. Oh my goodness, there's that little calf. Now don't get mad at me. Just hold on. I'm not, you know, don't get mad. This is a bad day. Would you not say, we're, you know, the guy's having a bad day. And they got him and then, and now they've pounced on him and, and we're at it in a minute. he's. They're going to have him up on the bank. What What we didn't show you is that while they're trying to pull him out of the water, a crocodile came and got his leg. Pulling it on his leg and lying on your head. When the lion's got your head and the crocodile's got your legs, it's a bad day. But look, the herd comes back. And all of a sudden, encouragement is on the way. And the lions are like, what's this? Buffalo don't come to lions. Now the lions start to run. Now watch this. Somebody's about to get the Holy Spirit in that crew. Watch this. Here we go. Whoa, look at that. They don't do that. He's not through yet. Look at the next one. He says, well, if you can do that, look at this. Whoa, somebody cast a demon out right there. I mean, look at this thing. And all of a sudden, look, 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 the little calf gets up unbelievably and runs back in the herd. <laughs> There's something about supernatural encouragement. Buffaloes run from lions. Lions don't run from buffaloes. But something happened. That little calf got left by itself. That's what the devil, the lion's always looking for. You straggling by yourself. But because the church was there. Because some encouragement was there. The buffalo were running. And somebody, probably his mama, said, What are we doing? And she goes back. And the other mama said, We're going back, you know. And they come running back. And then they look back at all the males. And they're like, We're coming too. We're... But all of a sudden, this water buffalo runs right up on a line and kicks him. And the nest said, Well... All right, if you can kick him, I can butt one of them. Throw the lion up in the air and all of a sudden the lions go, what is going on? They're acting like the lions. They don't know what to do. They run off and the calf is safe. There is supernatural encouragement when the body of Christ gets together. It's like one says, you know, I'll do it if somebody says, well, if you can do it, I can do it. And if you can do it, I can do it. And, and it becomes something so powerful. Maybe you, this week, these last weeks, you have a son or daughter on drugs. And you've been walking the floor and praying and going through the embarrassment of, of, of jail time and arrests and courts and, and, and faces and names in the paper. All these things. And you're about to give up. And, and, and you got up and came to church today. And you saw four ladies and three men, and you began to say, you know what? If God can do it for them, he can do it for my family and my son and my daughter. And all of a sudden, ha, the buffaloes turn into the lions in the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? And we start saying, what are we running from? We're the bad boys on the block. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let us worship Him. Let us pray. And we begin to run the devil out of your home, out of your family, out of North Alabama. Why? We're encouraged. My goodness. It's amazing the encouragement of corporate worship. Turn with me to Psalm 73. We're, we're in that area. Let's look at another Psalm. This one's really so Classic. Of, of what happens to us in hard times left to ourselves. Now again, I want you to hear me. I clearly understand. I get it. I wasn't born in a church building. I, I, I've gone to school and, and, and have college degrees and, and, and have worked in a lot of jobs you wouldn't like to work in. I understand what it's like. But I want you to know something. There is an incredible value of corporate worship it's not all there is to serving God. I know that very clearly. I know that. I just told you, I do more praying, reading, worshiping out of this building than in it. My walk with the Lord is seven days a week. This is a vital part of that, though. And, and it all works together. I don't want to, to use some of the things that church has done in the past to try to make you feel guilty to come to church. That's not going to work. I refuse to use that kind of motivation. That's not godly. It's not spiritual. People sh- shouldn't be shamed into coming to church. If, if, if we haven't met the Lord and if God isn't doing something vital in our life, we're, we're not going to be faithful in that. But if we have, we need to understand the value of corporate worship. I, I, I refuse to make people feel guilty. You know, there are some people who would love to be here today, but their work schedule does not permit it. Or sickness is in their life, a disability, or, or or their work, helping the family. I understand those things completely. We have live stream available for people right now. We have people watching us and, and worshiping with us. Isn't it a blessing to, to have our live stream campus? Let's welcome them right now. We We know you guys are here. We love you. We bless you today. But when we can, we should. Because there's a supernatural encouragement that happens in our life. There's something about... Being isolated. That allows you to become vulnerable. That allows the voice. Of, listen. The voice of Satan becomes magnified. And the voice of God becomes diminished. Now. Let's look at this. Let me show you this. It's, this is amazing. Again. This is a let's be honest moment. Psalm 73. Verse 2. Look at this. But as for me. My feet had almost slipped. <clears throat> Pardon me. I had nearly lost my foothold. Why? Look at verse 3. Come on, you know you've been there. Again, you don't have to raise your hand. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Come on, have you ever been there? God, I love you. I'm going to church. I'm praying. And why does that rascal Bill get the promotion in the unit this time? Look, look, Look at old Mary over there. She's she, she wouldn't know Jesus if he knocked on the door. Got a big house and a new car. We're over here trying to pay the bills. Then look at this one. You even went to the gym and still be encouraged. You got, you got negative. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. Look at her. She don't need to gain weight. Not, I got to lose a whole person off me. What, you know, God, I'm a Christian. Their family never gets sick. We go to the doctor every week, my kid. God, I don't know. I'm telling you something. Now, I know none of you think of this, but you have some friends that you can help that have had these thoughts at times, okay? Oh, look at verse 5. They're free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Oh, man, this, oh, David, he's wallowing in it, is he not? Oh, God, woe is me. I'm the Christian, and all these ungodly people are prospering. Look at them everywhere I turn around. Okay? I don't have time to read the whole psalm. You might, some of you might want to read that, all right? But look at verse 16. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. The more I thought about it, the more discouraged I became. Why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? Lord, I don't know how to do this. I, it's oppressive to me. I'm, I'm oppressed and depressed, and I'm, I'm about to go on a Holy Ghost recess. If something doesn't happen here, God, I need some help. Got you by yourself, see? Sitting there trying to figure all this out. Then, then look at verse 17. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood. Their final destiny. He said, left to myself, I was depressed. I was confused. I could not figure this out. But when I went into the house of God, when I walked into the encouragement of worship and word, the presence of God and the presence of God's people, my perspective cleared back up for me. See, left to myself, I'm going to I'm going to lose God over the next 10 minutes. I'm going to get mad and backslide over one day. But when I came into the house of God, I backed up and saw the big picture again. I'm reminded of eternity. I saw what really matters and I'm reminded of their final destiny. And God, I want you to know I'm back on track now. But I had to get into worship. I had to be with the people of God before that began to make sense to me. Isn't that amazing? The power... The supernatural encouragement of corporate worship clears things up. We begin to see what we couldn't see. Let, let, let me say this, and, and, and I want to take just a quick moment. I, I want you to realize that here at Calvary, we we vitally encourage and promote and one of our goals this year is to up the level and be able to do this better uh, of getting our wonderful church family not just in a Sunday setting but in smaller settings in life groups and home meetings it's critical to be big and small at the same time but I'm reminded when you read in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost the birthday of the church 3,000 people saved and baptized in a day And then we begin to read as chapter 2, the account of the birth of the church concludes, verses 42 through 47, we get an insight to their lifestyle, and and, and we find this. And they continue to meet in the temple courts and from house to house. Watch the priority. Where did they meet first? Corporately. And they continue to meet where? In the temple courts. And then where did they meet? House to house. To house. There's a biblical priority here. A principle that's critical. I want to show you this. If I get the corporate meeting in my life. If I'm in the house. The house. And I get the vision of the house. Then I can bring that vision of the house into my house. But if I'm not connected here. I don't have an anointing connection to bring it to the small group. Everybody with me? If I'm in the house, I'm under the authority of the house. And God works in those ways. So when I submit and I'm in the house, see, I can stay home and say, you know what? I'm a grown man. I don't need some preacher to tell me where to turn my Bible. I don't need some preacher to tell me if I need to go to church or not. I'm a grown man. I can read. I don't need somebody to take an offering. I'll do what I want to with my money. Kind of sounds like America, doesn't it? I'm not going to... I don't need that. I can stay home worship. Paul said he speaks in tongues more not all of them. I can speak in tongues at home, but I have to go to church. I can worship at home. I do what I want. Do my thing. Put my money where I want my money. Read the verses I want to read. Come ready with me? Sing the songs I want to sing. Start church when I want to start church. Stop church when I want to stop church. I can take a commercial on my church at home if I want to. Go eat a sandwich, come back and finish I can wear my pajamas. I can do what I want to do. Because I'm a grown man. You're not the boss of me. Huh? But I can tell you what happens in that setting. And you can do that. Listen to me. And, I, and I'm not going to shock you with the next thing I'm going to say. Because I'm going to always tell you the truth. Good, bad, happy, sad. You can go to heaven like that. Did you hear me? You can go to heaven like that. But the question is, how many people are you going to take with you to heaven living like that? That's the question of this thing. Because what comes about corporate worship is I begin to understand when I get in here, this is bigger than me. This is not just about me. It's not just who I know and where I've been and who lives down the street from me. I begin to see the kingdom. I begin to look around this room and I say, Wow, the church doesn't look like George Sawyer. The church is red and yellow, black and white. The church is young and old. The church is, 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 is... a lot of money, no money. The church is God's people. It's beautiful and powerful, and it includes everybody. And then I begin to come under the vision of the house. And when I'm under the vision of the house, I'm under the authority of the house. And when I'm under the authority of the house, then I carry that authority into my house when me and my group begins to meet. And now the same authority that rests on the corporate rests on the home. The same blessing that rests on the corporate rests on my home. And in the name of God and under the authority of My corporate leadership, I have the anointing to walk in my house and in my small group, lay hands on the sick and they recover and speak the word and lives are changed. Why? Because I didn't neglect God's plan. God's plan. They met in the temple courts and they met from house to house. How many see how that happens in this thing? That's the purpose and plan of God. It enables us, you know, to, to see something bigger than me, to stretch beyond myself, to do something greater. I want to tell you, it's important. We are living in a time where, where uh, the devil would love to scatter the body of Christ. We're living in a time when, when the devil would love for there to be no visible, tangible, touchable expression of the presence of God. And so we understand more than ever... That in this time of, of broken families, that we can get together and be a family. That we can find a place of worship and refuge and safety and healing. And when I've had a bad week, if I can get into the family that day, somebody has had a good week can pray for me. And if I'm having a hard time, somebody can bless me. And I can hear the word of the Lord. And sitting in a corporate meeting, there's something about it where we're sitting here. And I not only hear what I want to hear, I hear what I need to hear that day. Because, you know, by myself, I'm going to read all my underlined verses. huh? I'm going to read. I'm just going to read Psalm 22, 3. The Lord inhabits the praise of His people. Woo, glory. But I'm not going to underline, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm not going to do that at home. All right, let's get it together, kids. Here's the devotion for today. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the kids are like, what's wrong with Dad? But we get here. And it's not just what I want to hear, it's what I need to hear. And the Holy Spirit touches my life. And you and I have had those moments where we're in the presence of God. God changes me just like that. God spoke to me just like that. That rhema word, that inspired word came. You see, guys, there's something about stepping up and belonging. There's something about stepping up and saying I'm here. See, we live in a a culture of no commitments. We live in a culture of no loyalty. We live in a culture... Of no roots. But there's something about saying, this is my house. This is my family. This is what I do. This is where I go. This is who I am. Listen, I want to tell you something. There are people today who've been horribly hurt in church. There are people today who've been discouraged. And and I understand. I get it. I know why people don't want to come. But I'm going to tell you, this is what I've learned. When you go back and allow God to bring healing, you're stronger than you ever were before There's a lot of wonderful people who aren't in church today and who love Jesus. Do you hear what I'm saying? But maybe we need to have such a family life here. Maybe we need to so worship Him and have such a presence that someone who's been hurt might take a chance and say, I think I'll try one more time. I think I'll show up one more time. Maybe we ought to so represent Christ that we give hope to somebody who's been discouraged. Maybe we ought to so represent Him that somebody might be willing to trust and say, I'm just going to try one more time. Because this is what I know. Every army has a roll call. And every team has a roster. And every nation has a census. And I think it's time for the family of God in this nation to stand up strong and tall. And say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love Sundays. I have a family. I represent His kingdom on this earth. I want you to stand with me. Let's stand together right now. Let's pray something important before you go. We're, we're great on time. We graduated and worshiped and preached and still got time to pray. Come on, what a Sunday.